In the 9th century, the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms came under increasing attack from the Vikings, which would culminate in the invasion by the Great Heathen Army in the year 865. By the year 878, the Vikings had conquered East Anglia, Northumbria and Mercia, and Wessex would soon fall. Edmund's grandfather Alfred the Great was able to fight back against all the odds. By the 880s, the Anglo-Saxons again ruled Wessex and Mercia, but the rest of England was ruled by Viking kings. Alfred was succeeded by his son Edward the Elder in the year 899. Edward would continue his father's work in expanding the influence of Wessex. He would fight in many battles against the Vikings, and by his death in the year 924, he controlled all of England south of York. Edward was succeeded by his eldest son, Ethelstan, who would take control of Northumbria in the year 927, becoming the first king of all England. He would style himself as King of the English, and soon after, the kings of Wales and the kings of Scotland acknowledged his overlordship. Ethelstan swiftly became the most powerful king in the history of the British Isles. Edmund was Ethelstan's younger brother, and with Ethelstan quickly becoming a living legend, it would take a lot for Edmund to be remembered in the history books. However, he would gain the epithet the Magnificent due to his deeds in life. This is his story. Edmund's father was Edward the Elder. He had three wives and eight or nine daughters and five sons. Ethelstan was the only son of Edward's first wife, Equin, Edward's second wife was named Ethled. With her he had two sons, Elfweird, who died swiftly after the coronation of Ethelstan, and Edwin, who drowned at sea in circumstances which are unclear. In the year 919, Edward married Edgifu of Kent. Edmund was born in the year 920 to Edward and Edgifu. He also had a younger brother called Eardred. Edward the Elder would die in the year 924, and his son Ethelstan would become the next king of Wessex and Mercia. Edmund at this time was a young child, and was probably around four years old at the time. According to William of Malmesbury, who was the foremost English historian of the 12th century, Ethelstan showed great affection towards Edmund and Eardred. They were mere infants at his father's death, he brought them up lovingly in childhood, and when they grew up, he gave them a share of his kingdom. So Edmund would grow up in the court of his older brother, King Ethelstan. Ethelstan would complete his father Edward the Elder's mission, and would unite England by conquering the last remaining Viking Kingdom of York, making him the first Anglo-Saxon ruler of the whole of England. Although Ethelstan was recognised as the overlord of Scotland, Constantine II would go to war with him, which resulted in the English invasion of Scotland. Edmund may have been a member of the expedition, as according to the Historia the Sancto Cuthberto, which is a historical compilation from the mid to 11th century, based in the holy island of Lindisfarne. Ethelstan instructed that in the event of his death while campaigning in Scotland, Edmund was to take his body to St Cuthbert's shrine, conveying that Edmund was present at the invasion 
at just 14 years old. This was not uncommon at the time, as the Anglo-Saxon and Viking warriors would begin fighting or witnessing battles when they were very young, in order for them to become accustomed to the savage brutality of the world at the time. Ethelstan's army would gather at Winchester in May of the year 934, and would begin travelling north by June. Ethelstan would bring the full fury of England's power at the time. He was accompanied by many kings, including four kings of Wales, many Viking chiefs, earls, bishops, and his younger brother, Prince Edmund. The invasion was launched by land and sea, and according to Simeon of Durham, an English chronicler and monk, King Constantine's lands were ravaged as far as the fortress of Dunneter, on the northeastern coast of Scotland. According to legend, Constantine recognised the power of Ethelstan and was faced with a difficult decision, to meet him in battle, which would mean certain death, or to try something else. He chose instead to take refuge in the great impregnable fortress at Dunneter, and the ensuing siege led to an agreement. According to John of Worcester, a son of Constantine was given as a hostage to Ethelstan after his raids in Scotland, and Constantine himself accompanied the English king on his return south. Following the invasion of Scotland, it became apparent that Ethelstan could only be defeated by an allied force of his enemies. Several kings would join forces. Olaf Guthrinson, the King of Dublin, Constantine II, the King of Scotland, and Owen, the King of Strathclyde, who were originally all enemies. They set aside their political, religious and historical differences in order to destroy their common enemy, Ethelstan who at this moment was the most powerful king in living memory. The upcoming events would decide the fate of England. Would the ancient line of Wessex who had become the kings of England fall, or would they prevail? According to an old English poem called the Battle of Brunanborough, the battle lasted all day, and the English finally forced the enemy to break and flee. Ethelstan and his army pursued the invaders slaying huge number of enemy troops. Olaf fled the battle and sailed back to Dublin, and whatever was left of Constantine's army went back to Scotland. Owen's fate, however, remains uncertain. According to the poem, never has there been a greater slaughter since the Angles and Saxons came here from the east and seized the country. The Annals of Ulster describes the battle as great, lamentable and horrible and records several thousand Norsemen fell. Among the casualties were five kings and seven earls from Olaf's army. Scores of kings and princes and earls died in the battle, making it one of the greatest and bloodiest battles in English history. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, Prince Edmund the Etheling would also fight. Edmund would have been around 17 at the time of the battle, and he would fight alongside his older brother Ethelstan, and was praised for his heroism. Although Ethelstan and Edmund won the battle, Ethelstan's power seems to have declined, and he was no longer the overlord of King Olaf the King of Dublin, and Constantine the King of Scotland. However, his legend was cemented, as he was the first king of all England. Ethelstan would die around two years after the Battle of Brunanborough, on the 27th of October, 
in the year 939, at the age of 45. Ethelstan would die childless, and Edmund's succession to the throne was undisputed. He was the first king to succeed to the throne of all England, and was crowned swiftly after the death of his brother. After Ethelstan's death, the men of York revolted, and would choose King Olaf Guthrinson of Dublin as their king, and he was supported by the infamous rebel Wolfston, the Archbishop of York. Anglo-Saxon control of the north would collapse, and a united England became nothing but a memory. By the end of the year 939, Olaf was crowned in York, and in the following year, he invaded northeast Mercia, aiming to recover lost parts of the Kingdom of York that had been conquered by Edward the Elder and his sister Ethelfled, the Lady of the Mercians. In Simeon of Durham's Historia Regum, it records that Olaf and the new English king Edmund met at Leicester in the year 939 and came to an agreement on dividing England between the two of them. On the death of either, the survivor would inherit the whole country. The peace was short-lived, however, as within a few years, Olaf's Viking forces had seized the five boroughs of the Danelaw. In addition, the Chronicle of Melrose records that Olaf raided an ancient Anglican church on the Scottish border, but Olaf would die soon after that in the year 941. At the time of his death, the Irish annals titled him the King of the Danes, being the great-grandson of Ivar the Boneless. His name held a lot of weight in early medieval Britain. With Olaf's death, Edmund would now take back the land he'd lost, and in the year 942, he recovered the five boroughs, and his victory was considered so valuable, it was commemorated by a poem in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Here King Edmund, Lord of the English, Guardian of Kinsmen, Beloved Instigator of Deeds, Conquered Mercia and the Five Boroughs, the Protector of Warriors, King Edmund. Olaf was succeeded as King of York by his cousin, Analf Sidrikson, who was baptised in the year 943, with Edmund as his godfather, suggesting he accepted Edmund's overlordship. This was common, much like when Edmund's grandfather Alfred the Great baptised Guthrum after much war. However, just a year later, Edmund would march to Northumbria and invaded the city of York with the help of the Turncloak, Archbishop Wolfston, who had previously supported the Vikings. Edmund would continue to press north until he reached Strathclyde, whose ruler Donald had supported Olaf. Edmund and his army would ravage the land, burning villages and sacking cities. Edmund even managed to kill the Scottish king of Strathclyde, Donald MacDonald, who was a troublesome king and needed to be dealt with. Edmund then returned the kingdom to its Scottish overlord, King Malcolm I. Thus, recognising Northumbria as the northern border of Anglo-Saxon England, although Malcolm still acknowledged Edmund's overlordship. Edmund inherited contacts in Europe from his older brother Ethelstan's cosmopolitan court, as Ethelstan married many of his sisters to foreign kings and princes. Edmund would try to increase England's influence, maintaining many alliances, especially with his nephew, King Louis IV of West Francia. Louis's mother was Edgifu of Wessex, 
the sister of Edmund, who had been married to Charles the Simple of France. During Ethelstan's life, he also married one of his sisters named Eadgith to Otto I of Germany, later known to history as Otto the Great. In the early 940s, Norman lords sought help from the Danish prince Harold Bluetooth against Louis. In the year 945, Harold managed to capture Louis and handed him to Hugh the Great, the Duke of the Franks, who kept him a prisoner. King Edmund of England and Otto I of Germany both demanded his immediate release. Edmund would dispatch many threats to Hugh, and eventually Louis was released, after the surrender of some land to Hugh. So Edmund was also involved in the direct restoration of his nephew, the King of West Francia. King Edmund was married twice, firstly to Saint Elfgif, who would become the mother of kings. Her sons were King Edwig Allfair and Saint Edgar the Peacemaker. However, she would die in the year 944. Edmund's promising reign was cut short after only six years on the throne. On the feast of St Augustine on the 26th of May in the year 946, during the festivities, a drunken Edmund was angered due to the presence of an outlaw named Leofa, who the king had expelled from his lands years previously. Driven into a rage, King Edmund personally threw Leofa to the ground, and a struggle ensued. But during the struggle, Edmund was fatally stabbed and died there during the feasting. He was just 26 years old. Edmund's retainers killed Leofa on the spot, but the consequences for the kingdom were serious. Edmund's sons were infants and were still too young to rule. So the crown passed to his brother Eadred, but Eadred was said to suffer from ill health and died in the year 955, aged just 32. Edmund's son Edwig would then become the King of the English, aged just 15 years old. King Edmund died young at just 26 years old. He helped his brother Ethelstan invade Scotland. He took part in the Battle of Brunanborough and retook his own land from the Viking kings. Due to his deeds in life, he gained the epithet, the Magnificent, even if his life was cut short. So tell me what you think of King Edmund in the comment sections down below. If you enjoyed the video, make sure to like, subscribe and share. And I'll see you all soon for another History Profile. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.